Hello and welcome to Canine Binge Quake, the show where we watch that Australian canine spinoff that nobody else did and try to figure out why we're doing this. I'm Kevin and this is my co-host Tom. Tom, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself? Hey, so uh, yes, um, this Canine Binge Quake podcast was was kind of my idea uh, to, to, to delve into this uh, unknown corner of, of, of the Who universe and um I've always been interested in in the sort of unknown little footnotes uh, of Doctor Who. I think you're you're kind of the same. Would you say, kind of interested in 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 completionist, um, ticking off every little box? Yes, I, I think it's safe to say anyone who. I mean, we are both, of course, huge Doctor Who fans. Mm-hmm. And I is it safe to say we both came in more on the new series post two thousand five? Yes, I was a little bit pre but but certainly that generation yeah I, I actually did get into the classic series before the new series came back which is a bit unusual but that's because i had a friend who um had lots of the vhs's and stuff back in like 2003 so i did get into it before but yeah basically that generation absolutely and i think for uh those of us in that generation who are still around and talking about like the old stuff the classic stuff the books and the audios it's safe to say we we fell very far down a completionist hole. There's a good few of us. And even then, <laughs> very few people in our community have watched K9. Yeah, it's it's the final mountain yet to be climbed, as we've said. Or the final molehill, if you like, um, yet to be climbed. Um, yeah, I think molehill sums up its importance better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see if we change our minds on that once we watch more. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's kind of got this strange status as this kind of memory hold uh, thing that yeah, an entire fandom sort of have somehow managed to forget an entire spin-off, which is quite impressive, um, given the the sort of yeah the the other rabbit holes that people fall down, faction paradox and the like, which I have written for because I have no life. Yes, cheeky plug, cheeky plug. Um. So, um, shall we introduce what the hell this is? If you're listening to this, you probably have some vague idea. You know, Doctor Who fans know there's like Torchwood, Sarah Jane Adventures, Class. But every time you look at like Wikipedia or the Doctor Who wiki or whatever, next to all those shows, it links another thing called K9. And all you can think is, when the hell was there a K9 spinoff? So this would have been about... 2010 2011 i believe you knew are more informed on that one yeah it it well it, it the first episode premiered in halloween 2009 uh, but it's it's actually most mostly 2010 that, that, that the episodes air but it's, it's quite interesting uh, it's going to go into a little bit of background about how the show came to be because um I, another thing that i guess most most fans will already know was that there was an existing attempt at a canine uh, spin-off series in 1981, K9 and Company. We've all uh, heard the theme tune, I'm sure, um, which is a thing of of of, of horror and, and also delight. Um, but the idea of a K9 series itself was actually first floated in about 1997, which is sort of, yeah, an incredible development hell that it had between then and, and, and the actual show. Um, it was announced in Doctor Who magazine 1997, uh, the Adventures of K9, but no funding was forthcoming. Uh, this is going to be a recurring um, issue with the show. And then in 2006, it did get announced about alongside School Reunion, apparently. When, I guess, re- repeat um, a kind of bigger K9 presence again with him returning to the show. And then it was planned and it was in a bit of development hell for, for a while. Um, it was going to be set in space on an old Prairie class spacecraft for asteroid colonization, apparently. 
Um, yeah, so so sort of there were various ideas. And then the BBC statement on it was very funny. Um, I'll just read that out, which is, as the BBC is already committed to a number of spin-off projects, we concluded that a canine series may simply be an extension too far. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed <laughs> their, their sort of shade there. Um, yeah, I think the... Uh general trend we are both fans of like really obscure corners of doctor who Mm. and every once in a while there's sort of this i don't want to say parasitic because i've written for it and that feels mean to myself but (laughs) whenever the show booms in popularity or has these little corners you can fill into to capitalize on that market there will be companies that come along and snatch up the rights to whatever little corner they have or estates that try to mobilize there's for example the Heisman estate, who are the family mm. of one of the classic series re- creators, are constantly putting out books that are tangentially Doctor Who related and say Doctor Who on the cover, but they're about the Brigadier and his family and the Great Intelligence and Quarks and all sorts of really random stuff. Whatever the, it's the pick and mix bag they can get yep. their hands on. And this show is the one time that actually made it not just like as a book series or an audio series or some random low budget no budget film this made it to an actual tv show that actually aired on tv and that's yeah that's really wild that's the thing i find kind of astonishing exactly it's it's this kind of bbv real-time like thing of a sort of a creator going off with their own toys and sort of doing their own thing and yet like you say it actually got commissioned by a tv channel you know it aired on disney um xd in the uk uh which is is sort of wild yeah it's 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 this strange mix of very obscure but weirdly high profile for something so obscure. Um, and I think with the, you were saying 2009, the first episode aired, that mm. kind of sums it up right there. 2009 was sort of the peak of Tenant Mania, the peak of Doctor Who in the UK, I think it's safe to say. And that's sort of yep. the moment where it was a hot ticket item. I mean, like you said, they, re- they announced they were trying to do it again after K9 appeared on TV again. This was the moment to strike while the iron was hot, and apparently some studio recognized that, and yep. we got this miracle of a weird show. It was greenlit, um, and they they filmed it in Brisbane between two thousand and eight two thousand nine, um, and then yeah, uh, it, it it set off. It was a bit of a weird um, kind of uh, broadcast structure, which is that the first episode premiered at Halloween as a kind of sneak preview type thing. And then the rest of it, I think, was mostly um, premiering in the UK. And then after that, Australia had it. But also Scandinavia got it first for some reason. So just, yeah, the entire air date thing was kind of weird to me. But anyway. We can safely conclude this show is just a total cryptid. Yeah. Just, yeah. What what the hell is this? And I think that is ultimately the main goal of our podcast Week to week, we will be having different guests who, in many cases, will know even less about this show than us. The goal for us is just to sort of marvel at this bizarre, what the hell is this of a show, and kind of just relish in that. Absolutely. I think it's fun to celebrate these weird corners of Doctor Who. Yes, and invite other people on the ride to to kind of celebrate this as well. As you say, knowing even less than we do about it, which which should be fun. Yeah. And if I might just say, so this was recorded in Australia, yeah? Does that mm-hmm. make it like, does that make Australia the BBV of the UK? <laughs> I suppose so. Um, I, well, you I think guys this... are just like the off-brand little coffee. <laughs> there is something very funny about the, the Australia uh, 
setting, but but the fact that it is set in London within the story. I'm sure we'll come on to that, but um, yeah, it, it, it's this kind of it's like a sort of cracked mirror version of the thing. It's not the thing itself. It's a sort of weird, um, yeah, this um, through a mirror darkly kind of version. It's basically, I mean, if let's it, let's get into the setup of the show. Basically, this is Judge Dredd, isn't it? Judge Dredd for kids. Very much that sort of premise. Yes, um, I think you said in a message, you know, it wants to be another franchise entirely, and yeah, that's that's the vibe. Well, just to anyone who doesn't know, um, the show is set in Britain of 2050, uh, apparently. I don't, I don't actually think they, they say that in, in, in dialogue. but um, And they do not make any steps to make it match with any other version of future Britain no, ever shown in the no, Doctor Who universe. Yes. Um, and it's set in, yeah, Britain of 2050, which is a kind of fascist authoritarian Britain, or is sort of vaguely the vibe, uh, kind of cyberpunky dystopia sort of yeah kids blade runner slash yeah yeah i mean you got some sort of of spooky corporate government woman who feels like she came out of a stephen moffat wet dream (laughs) there's you know spooky copy robots that are very enjoyable yes a government agency you always have to have a government agency that's evil right exactly um so that's very much the setting and uh, to be fair although all of this is very these are all very tropey um things we're talking about i actually quite like the setting if only because it's just so different to what the other spin-offs um have done um you could say that's for a bad reason but (laughs) i also quite like it because it's sort of a glimpse into the only political backbone this show can have where when we meet two of our cast members uh what's their what are their names starkey Uh, was it Starkey and Georgie, yeah. Yeah, Starkey and Georgie, they are going out to fight the police. Little teenagers being plucky and hacking things. And That is kind of a, a lovely intro to them. Yeah, exactly. He, yeah, he, that, yeah, that is a vibe. She, he, he, he's a lockpicker kind of activist thing. She's a hacker. Um, and he's apparently famous for what he does. God knows why, because everything we see about them shows her <laughs> as significantly more capable. Yes, yes. He's got this... Um, He has a... a uh, what is it? It's kind of like a, a pseudonym of Stark Reality. Yeah. yeah, handle, exactly. He calls himself Stark it's really Reality. It's really crap. It's a really crap handle. It's terrible. It's so similar to his real name. Yes. Um, it's, it's his yeah. name, but worse. <laughs> anyway, um, so he's doing that. And although they, I think they don't establish this very well because, um, well, we'll get into sort of how well they set things up. But there's this sequence of the kind of Blade Runner-esque uh, you know, sort of giant floating holographic placard things in the sky with kind of uh, government slogans like protection, relaxed and comfortable for your own good, blah, blah, blah. It's all quite kind of, you know, standard. And then yeah. there's one that goes up that says nobody thinks and nobody gets hurt. And then in small letters underneath, stark reality, which is meant to be his protest message, but that's not very well sold because it really looks and sounds quite like one of the government ones. Anyway, that's getting yeah. into nitpicks. But Over my head. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Um, it's 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 odd. Um, yeah. But so yeah, that's where we meet our characters. The show starts with them out doing crime. We love. We stand. And Georgie turns up as a sort of stark reality fangirl who wants mm. to join in the fight and be an activist. And she turns up in the most spectacular sparkly pink shoes. She's got a badass, utterly <laughs> conspicuous outfit. And I am here for her immediately. 
And meanwhile, Starkey is like, oh, you could get her. He's being a bit of a wet blanket. And then the cops show up. Then the cops show up. So the cops are uh, basically Robocop. Um, uh, they're, I think a character calls them Robo Fuzz, which is hilarious. Um, I hope we hear more of that. Yes. Uh, they are called CCPCs, which stands for Cybernetic Civic Pacification, which I, actually I quite like that. That's quite sinister as a kind of, um, you know, as a sort yeah. of official designation for something. Anyway, yeah, they look very cheap. But they are a fun, pulpy touch with a kind of little... I, I actually thought the, the effects on this show very wildly. I thought it would mm. look a lot cheaper than it does, to be honest. And there's some mm. places where it really does. I would yes. say the places where it nails it are very much in the setting and those robots. And yeah. I think part of that is because they're unified in a very sleek aesthetic. Where if there's something slightly fake about the CG, it kind of just adds to the oppressive unreality of it. Yeah, they look cheap, but not bad, I think is, is fair to say. Whereas something else that we'll maybe come on to later maybe doesn't look so good. Um, uh, if we're talking about looking cheap, though, we do have the good old retro design of K9 turn up to save the day. So, yeah, um, K9 makes a very brief appearance in his kind of, yes, um, Doctor Who self, as it were. Um, and then is quickly revamped into a new design, which I think it's a very cheeky, probably the best idea of the episode, which is to call it regeneration. Yeah, I was going to say that. Canine regenerating. It's a fun title. It's a fun title. There's a sort of little nod to who itself. And there's there's a few little tiny nods here and there. Um, There's that bit where um, his memory bank contains the opening notes to the who theme. Um, which, to be fair, I had to get from TARDIS Wiki that that happened, so it was that subtle. Um, yeah, I did not catch that. Right. <laughs> but anyway. Because I think, I, I think that's a theme we were coming on to already, where even though this is a very simple show with a very simple setup, it's throwing a few details in that it does not communicate very well. Yeah. And I, I couldn't help noticing there were two directors credited for this, which, I mean, that doesn't... St- I, I don't think that's standard in the no they, these directors do not recur that is okay probably yeah. a troubled production and 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 you know we were saying okay the opening scene we meet these two criminals that's good but within a few minutes they've run into the the uh the house of um professor griffin who we'll, we'll talk about in a second um within five minutes we've got these aliens turned up within six minutes canines there and then within about you know another minute after that he's already blown himself up and sacrificed himself to save everyone and then rebooted and it's it's all of the plot is kind of happening very quickly but we don't know who any of the people are yet um so it it still feels very fair it does sort of hit their single character traits very quickly the mm. professor, they over suggest his tragic backstory of his yeah, that going was... through a time portal or something like yeah. that. He has no other lines of dialogue other than, I miss my family. I need to get this portal to work to save my family. Right. It's a very You're stock motivation. He's lost his wife and kids. Yeah, that, that feels quite kind of, I mean, the, yeah, the, the performance is fine. but it... And then in a like afterthought, we meet our one other main cast member. Who is was that Darius, the Darius. assistant he did? Yeah. So he's a kind of um unlike the other two who just sort of stumble into the, the professor's world by accident, uh, he is already assisting the professor. And he he's kind of clearly set up as the the jerk of the bunch. Um the jerk and also possibly the romantic uh competition for Georgie, because yeah. we have one woman in this very white cast, <laughs> and therefore she exists entirely to be 
hot and competent and yeah. lusted for by everybody else. By the two by the two dudes. And yeah, the, you get the sense they're going to kind of compete over her quite a bit. She's going to be the one mediating between them when they fight. It's it's a very, you know, it's 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 the Harry Potter triangle, isn't it? It's it's exactly yes. that sort of familiar kind of, yeah. Um, I can yeah. do without it. I can, yeah, I can say that up front. I like romance in Doctor Who. I like flirting. I like all that. This is not done well. This is just generic tropey crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think we were saying earlier, though, about um, uh, Georgie sort of proving herself maybe the MVP of the team. And I think that also comes through in the acting because she is by far the most convincing of the of the. Oh, um, my God. By far, the, leads, the others are say? pretty wet. I yeah. think Darius has potential. The actors clearly enjoying being a bit of an asshole. Yeah. The others are very, very wet. And she's, I mean, no, she's kind of doing um, a, a pretty good imitation of a sort of Emma Watson voice. It really yes, sort of sounds the exact much, same yes. cadence to me. But but it works, um, you know, because just to clarify for anyone who doesn't know, all these, well, the, the actors of the three young people are all Australian, um, but playing Brits. Um, whereas I think the professor guy is Canadian and is supposed to be Canadian in the story. So I guess that's fine. Um, Finally, but, Canadians turn up in Doctor Who. It's Canadian not like one of them rep- created it or something. <laughs> Representation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is odd. I mean, that we could just dwell on that for a second. What, why is this London at all? Because if they just set it in Australia, like, you know, you'd avoid the issue with everyone having to put on an accent. I guess it's, I you think, know, to uh, kind of... Yeah. It's to capitalize on Doctor Who. I mean, it's that's the, the sort of cut price thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, consists of essentially some unconvincing kind of um, wide shots of, of the British, of the London skyline. And um, I guess everything else is just kind of studio sets, right? It's, it's you know, it, it doesn't. I mean, but I, I feel like the ambition on this one was to sell it to the world as a Doctor Who spinoff and to try to get it as big as Torchwood and the Sarah Jane Adventures. And mm. they probably felt like in order to convince people internationally that it was part of the same thing, they had to put it in London. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, we'll see if how that well that pays off later on. Um, <laughs> so yeah. we were talking, and so there is a massive explosion of plot elements here, but the mm. bulk of which is K nine detonates himself to defeat the alien Jixon, and in the process, sort of like does some sort of soul bonding master thing to Starkey, which yeah. Slightly is not communicated but... well. And yeah. Honestly, K9, I question your choices. <laughs> yeah. Um... By him. There's better alternatives. <laughs> yeah. It's it's it feels like it's kind of you've got to have um a brainy teenager in the same setup of K9 following in the thing of Adric. And, um, yeah, basically they decided we're going to do a Doctor Who spinoff. We need an Adric. <laughs> and Starkey is Adric. Yes. Um... I guess arguably they could have been looking to Luke from the Sarah Jane Adventures, mm-hmm. a boy genius done well. That is a more likely inspiration, yes. Uh, <laughs> but they, they learned all the lo- wrong lessons and have basically created another Adric. Yeah. Um... But so we get the other element of that is the alien Jixon, who seem to be set up as a sort of recurring baddie. They're sort of like these big slabs of God fiberglass or something. They're not very convincing costumes that nope. vomit on people, and the vomit then sort of marks you as their target. 
Yeah, the the vomiting mucus thing, I kind of like, if only because that sort of spraying gloop over people is just always... It's an extremely low-hanging fruit thing, but in a kid's show, that kind of fun, gross-out thing is, is quite it, it fun. It makes you feel like you're watching a Doctor Who version of a Nickelodeon TV show, like one of those <laughs> sitcoms from the early thousands. Yeah, and it's not surprising that, you know, in Sarah Jane, they, they repeat that gag quite a lot, because, you know, yay, someone's covered in gloop. That's fun. Um, but everything else but, about them yes. doesn't look good. Um, so, basically, we then sort of devolve into a couple... Random plot threads of the Jixon running around and Starkey being in space jail because the cops catch him for being a protester. Yeah, in fact, uh, he's 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 dobbed in, isn't he? He's grassed up by um, Darius, who who basically calls the cops to say, you know, this guy's a criminal. Um, and yeah, the cops take away to it's like VR detention, virtual reality detention. Yes, a um, virtual reality detention, which Georgie can hack into and then just sort of <laughs> chill with him in VR space jail. That's quite That's, fun. I, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's ludicrous, but I love that she's like supposed to be a ballet class, and she's like, "No, I'm gonna hack into the cop's space jail." Um, she continues. She's the only character we actually get any sense of a life beyond the plot so far. Yeah, and that's just another reason why she immediately becomes the best character in this whole thing. Yeah, and you know, you feel like she's got interesting motivations as well because I think it's in the scene where she's hacked into the the VR jail and she's talking to um, Starkey. That the the closest thing to sort of a really interesting kind of political point comes up, which is that she wants to expose this prison where the kind of authoritarian government of Britain are locking up aliens and treating them terribly. Um, and Starkey sort of says, you know, maybe some of them deserve it because, yeah, that's how he is, I suppose. Why um, is Starkey the famous activist again? <laughs> I don't know. Um, he's just a bad human. Anyway, and she, she, yeah, she makes it quite clear that, you know, not all of these aliens are hostile and some of them are being locked up just for being aliens. And yeah, she, she's kind of the voice of moral authority with good reason, um, I guess, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that, so that feels like With her help and with the professor's help and with K9's help, they mount a rescue mission to uh, rescue Starkey. Yes, and that's all, you know, fine and, and, and relatively uninspiring. Um, it works. The yeah, end. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. It, it, this, this, and the episode, it, yeah. This episode has Sorry. this weird feeling of, it, it's clearly a part one in that mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't really conclude. There's this very odd trailing off scene at the end that just doesn't work at all. <laughs> He's canines kind of explaining his tech babble powers and the camera sort of pans away from from the uh, him and the, and the kids or the, you know the teenagers and it just sort of fades into the credits and there's no gag there's no punchline it's it's very weak um it's yeah it's tempting to say that this episode feels like it's going for serialization in a very modern way mm. and i think that's sort of the goal where it, where it ends but instead of ending in something of a cliffhanger or something like that it just sort of feels like we stop halfway through right after already getting an episode that feels like it was cut into two different plots yeah, and was kind of more rushed probably than it needed to be because, yeah, we could have spent longer setting yeah. up the people and, like you say, kind we, of giving a sense of yeah. what their lives are. The, yeah. the first episode could have taken us up to K9's regeneration and Starkey getting arrested. Mm -hmm. The second episode could have been the breakout. Exactly. Instead, yeah. we mash both of those into a single episode that isn't very satisfying. And the only trailing thread we really get is Starkey's on the run and the Jixon are still coming. I'm interested in Starkey being on the run, though. If it's that easy to break him out of jail, I don't think it's going to be that big of a plot thread. Whereas mm. the Jixon, which the show seems to think are the more interesting and immediate threat, they're kind of crap. 
they're not very good. Um, I, yeah, I, I guess we'll see, you know, how well it does sort of the developing uh, kind of alien threats and so on as we go along. Obviously, unlike uh, Sarah Jane, it's not going to be able to borrow any from the main show because um, this is all entirely sort of down to Bob Baker's rights to K9. It can't really borrow anything else. So it's going to have to come up with its own concepts. Um, I am so excited we'll for that. I love a original monster in Doctor Who, especially when the stories are built around them. Mm. I just think this one to start with is a very low effort, low hanging fruit. Like you said, the slime is pretty much the only image it has going for it. And that's not going to sustain a series. So I really hope they have other stuff up their sleeve. Obviously that whole portal with the professor and his family is going to be dangled out for us for a while. I have Mm -hmm. no idea what they're going to do with it. But that's probably the most interesting plot arc we have right now, along with uh, Georgie's general family life. Yeah, and and this sense of yeah, what the department are doing, and 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 kind of what, how they can kind of well, I think she even says fight the system at one point. So you know, who knows what the cyberspace guerrilla warfare will be like. But um, yeah, and then as you said earlier, there's um, the appearance of um, a character coming in from the department and just sort of being vaguely threatening. Um, and sort of wanting to find K9 right near the end. Um, yes. So I guess there might be that element as well. Um, so, so basically, to sum it up, we have a show about a bunch of very white teenagers fighting the cops with the help of a very mopey p- professor whose family have been fridged and a robot dog. Yeah. This is ha- while they fight a dom woman who dresses in a business <laughs> suit and basically exists to be the campus thing ever. Yes. Um, and K9 can fly now. Um, <laughs> K9 can fly now. Um, they fly now. They fly <laughs> they, now. Yes, I was, I was, I was setting that up. Uh, yeah, he can regenerate and he can fly. Um, which you know, whatever. I yeah, almost everything can fly now. Daleks, Cybermen. So I'm, I'm fine with K9 flying. Um, yeah, might as well. The design isn't very good, but it, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. I, the one I quite like this sort of absolutely ridiculous decision to put a is it it's a bone on his collar? yes like, that, that's yes. just so stupid the I bones quite like are, it. the bones are the best part yeah if yeah. you have not seen this design of k9 <laughs> go google it it has none of the retro charm of the original it has no staying power no but the bones are pretty lit the we gotta fun. give them that yeah yeah um no so, uh, in conclusion would you say your life has been improved by watching k9 regeneration um no, <laughs> but I'm still glad that I've <laughs> I'm still glad that I've done it because, um, um, I you know that like we were saying earlier, you know, there's 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 the curiosity to the sort of um, yeah, the the really strange little footnotes, and this is absolutely a strange little footnote in in kind of Doctor Who uh, history or whatever, and yeah, it's sort of you know it, it's one of those things that I'd, I I think I'm speaking for you as well, kind of always thought, ah, I wonder what it's like that thing that no one ever talks about. I guess one day I'll go check it out. And I kept thinking, you know, one day, one day. Um, and here we are. So I'm kind of glad I've started it because it's like, yeah, I finally get to see, you know, if it's much cop, no pun intended. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I- I'm excited to go on this journey, even though I doubt the show itself will add much to my life just because mm. it is that final frontier and I get to enjoy exploring it and talking about it and piecing together something I've never really heard about. So that's mm. exciting. Just totally blind, totally wandering into a new corner is a really fun feeling. And I'm really going to look forward to dissecting it with you and with our guests. 
think yeah. this is going to be a really fun, very strange journey, and that's what I'm here for. Absolutely. Look forward to inflicting it on our guests. We can put it that way. Yes. <laughs> if to our guests, be warned, it's coming. <laughs> the Jixen are going to vomit on you. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom, where can people find you if they want to see other things from you that don't involve Jixen spit and robot dogs? Um, well, well, I'm going to be mostly running the Canine Bingequake Twitter account. I don't really use Twitter as sort of my own personal one, but um, I'm going to be sort of running that. So I guess you can follow that, which we haven't set up yet. So this isn't very useful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll add a link in the show notes. As for me, um, I can be found mostly if you want to see me on Twitter. It's at ScribbleScript talking about Doctor Who and occasionally making people angry at me. And also, if you want to read stuff I've written, I have most recently put out a short for Faction Paradox, an equally uh, cryptid-tier Doctor Who spinoff in the collection from Obvers Books, The Boulevard, Volume 1. My story is... (laughs) I'll take that. My story is You Are the Absurd Hero. It's a send-up of choose-your-own-adventure stuff. It made me laugh, and people seem to like it. So feel free to check that out. Until then, you can uh, come back and check us out next time, and we will probably have an exciting new guest for you. See you soon for episode two. Have a great night. Bye. You have been listening to Canine Bingequake, starring Tom Marshall and Kevin Bernard. This episode, RoboFuzz, was recorded 27th of September 2022 and was edited by Kevin Bernard. The music was composed by Jack Gutierrez. Thank you for listening, and if you see any passing aliens, don't let them spit on you.